Yeah. Yeah, I mean, really, without Yellow Bag, your podcast maybe just comes to screeching halt at some point. Yeah, I mean, like, oh, well, Chris Burge, you know? Chris Burge offered a really uh, interesting story too because. Um, I am more likely to believe an actual eyewitness as opposed to anybody who just claims that they know what happened. And Chris saw Johnny that morning walking down a different street than all the reports say that he was walking down. Um, according to Chris, um, Johnny didn't cut across the, the church lawn. He went straight out of his house and walked down Marcourt mm -hmm. um, because mm -hmm. his pickup spot had moved. Like it was originally up on Ashworth, but it's so inconvenient to have to cut through. He was like, he called them and was like, "Hey, can you move my pickup spot?" And yeah. like that, and like, yeah. Instead of doing one of these, yeah, he could just do that. Yeah, exactly. And that's uh, so his pickup was at Forty Second and Marcourt. Yeah. Yes, that then. morning it was. Um, I guess like even so, people have just taken a straight shot. Yeah. Yeah, somebody could like. Yeah, you know, that's the other thing too. I don't think that there was one car involved in like the reports. I think there was a totally different car up on Ashworth, which very well could have just been somebody looking for directions. I think they maybe people saw a car on Ashworth asking people for directions, and a Ford Fairmont was a common car to have back then. It's like it's not like it's a, a rare thing to see. And so maybe a different Ford Fairmont of a different color because like there's conflicting reports on what color it was, was just kind of hanging out on Marcourt Lane. Um, I even said to Chris, cause Chris that morning after Johnny walked past their driveway, he and his dad, Chris walked or um, pulled out of their driveway. And it's not like five minutes later that Johnny's just gone. And I remember even making the comment to Chris, I was like, Chris, the guy could have been driving right behind you guys. Like, sure. you know, sure. like, if, like if you think of the timing for a second, it's like you saw the last place they saw Johnny was the spot he disappeared from. Um, and they cleared out of the, backed out of the driveway and drove off to where um, Chris had to pick up his papers. Um, and five, ten minutes later, Johnny's just disappeared. Um, and I was like, well, if you pulled out that way and then a car came right after you, that car was right behind you guys, or like 10 minutes behind you at least. So you just don't pay attention to things because nothing's ever happened to you. Yeah. You know, you just, that was, it was always amazing to me too that Gretchen made it home. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, had she taken the other route, the right turn or the left turn going back, she wouldn't have, that, you know, this the straight line was what a dog always would take anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But for Gretchen to make it back there, I mean, she was just a little minute, half half size old dachshund. Mm-hmm. But see, you know, I always thought, well, it, it seemed like he would have voluntarily got in the vehicle with somebody, but if the dog, he, he would have left the dog well, just... Well, uh, that's the thing that I wonder about, because, like, what if um. One thing that a friend of mine suggested to me is that what if the person driving had a gun and said, get in the car, you know, could be it. Um, yeah. Or maybe it was just something like trying to seem as though they needed directions and was just like, hey, kid, can you come here for a second and look at this, look at this map? Like, yeah, kid, like, hey, kid, kid, can you just come here for a second and look at this map? And like, just, you know, well, as soon as he gets like, as soon as he like re dips his head in, you know, could yeah. it could be that. Doesn't take much 
contact with chloroform to knock somebody down, you know? Well, Show that in her face. That's a, an interesting point, too, because um, I'm really having trouble believing Paul Benassi was ever in that car. Um, I really don't think he was involved at all. And even like... He's a reader of all of the news clips yeah, and he's yeah. put it together and it's his claim to fame. Yeah, and I think that uh, somebody suggested to me that he's one of those people that he's gotten so into the case by reading up on it that mentally he thinks he was there. Like, it's like, I keep talking about the misinformation effect on this podcast, and I think that's exactly what happened. I think that, like, he he consistently read up on the case, and now he, th now he believes that it really happened. And I wouldn't doubt that maybe Noreen could have let her car guard down a couple times, speaking with him, mm -hmm. and let him in on some information that only she and John know. Mm-hmm. You know? That stuff happens. Yeah. You know, power of suggestion, and this guy picked up on it. Yeah. So where was Yellowbag's um, paper out? Um, well, he's from the other side of Des Moines. He's from the east side. Okay. Um, and I guess the whole reason that he knows about Wilbur Millhouse was because Millhouse originally was a circulation manager in a district on not in, in west on on the west side of Des Moines. <laughs> Um, but and he was never directly Johnny's manager or anything, but he claimed that he did know him. Um, and I guess it was either a few weeks before or a few weeks after Johnny disappeared that Millhouse got uh, that that got transferred to the East Side and became Yellowbag's manager. So it was after that that Millhouse made those incriminating comments in front of Yellowbag and in front of Yellowbag's mother. It was interesting to talk to that. Um, that woman, Vicki Esperanza, who was who did yeah, work at the yeah. register, um, Yellowbag had thought well, she had some creepy thoughts. Yeah, Yellowbag had thought that she was directly Melhouse's supervisor, but I guess she wasn't. But they did work alongside each other for like twelve years, yeah. and she was like, "Well, yeah, I thought he was a creep. I didn't think oh. he was doing all of this stuff, though." Yeah, yeah. it'd but be really interesting to reach out to the Des Moines Register and just request all their employment files from that time period. Yeah, mm -hmm. from 80 to 90. Yeah. Just 10 years. Yeah. All of your district managers, all of your carrier drop guys. Yeah. Because, you know, a district manager does not have the car or the truck that goes around and drops off the bundles. He's the boss of that guy. So mm -hmm. there's a couple layers there. Like, there's so many, like, layers of people Johnny could have met at the register, yeah. like, you know, the guy that drops off the bundles on right. each corner right. and um, things like that. And, and you know, those, the, the airplane trip, mm -hmm. uh, I know they used to take the kids to Adventureland. Mm -hmm. They used to take them to the state fair. They had great records. And, yeah. You know, you can ingratiate a kid to you pretty easily if you give them, you know, in my day it was get, you got a ballpoint pen. You know, that was our prize for doing something well uh, on your route. So, and John is certainly open to all those things. You know, at first I think he kind of resisted that, thinking we were on top of this way too much with Johnny. And then all of a sudden he kind of, the second or third time he brought it up to him, he said, you know, he was a pretty willing kid and always wanted to be perfect on his route and wanted the ribbons. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think he's more open to thinking that it, there might have been some contact either at Valley West Mall or at one of these carrier functions that he yeah. didn't know about. Everybody wants to think, I always want to know that 
my kids never did anything that I didn't know about. Yeah, yeah. Like, like my folks knew everything I did. Yeah. So we know that's not true, yeah. right, Mark? Yeah. yeah. So and I think John's finally kind of coming to grips with that. Yeah, it seemed that way the second time I talked to him. Yeah. Um, yeah. He definitely, like, because, I mean, I had him on two episodes, and if you really compare the first one to the second one that he was on, you can definitely tell there's a more willingness to, yeah, like... He was very guarded the first time, yeah. but he just... You know, he's just that way. Yeah. It's been a long time. It seems if someone was going to abduct somebody as well, that they would have seen the person. So it makes sense that someone was in this area and saw Johnny on a regular... This wasn't the first time you ever no. saw Johnny. No. And it wasn't the first time Johnny saw this guy. Yeah. No. You, you can't just, like, be driving all around the block at this early in the morning on a Sunday morning, Labor Day, and... Nobody's going to notice you at 6 a.m. And I think we need to find out from as many people as we can, whether it's the police or whoever it is, what was it? What was meant when Millhouse said this would never have happened to him if had he kept his mouth shut? What does that mean? What do you think he said? Why did he say that? And, and have enough enough people ask that question. Somebody's going to say, "Well, I'll tell you what it meant." Mm -hmm. Somebody has to know. Um, Frank Frank Sakura is still alive. Who is he? Frank Sakura is the one who um, Sam Soda questioned about, uh, like like shook him down basically regarding Johnny the Johnny Gosh case, and eventually got him to admit to have been um, fondling other carriers. And he got he got arrested for it back then. Um, he took a light. They gave him a polygraph test back then. Polygraph test cleared him of any involvement in Johnny Gosh or Eugene Martin or anything like that. So uh, one thing that Vicky said when I talked to her was that like I I did not even prompt her to say his name, but she just she said she just kind of blurted out. Like, yeah, Wilbur and Frank Socorro were the two guys who just seemed out of place at the register. And I was like, I did not mention Frank Socorro once during this conversation. Certainly, if you know his last name and his first name, the IRS can find him. Can't they, Mark? They can find anybody. Oh, yeah. And the register's employment files. Yep. Because there might be some names on there that you and I keep thinking about. And all of a sudden, if you see them in print, you think, holy crap. That's, that keeps coming up, and I didn't even think of that. And if the regi register doesn't want to release them, what does that say? Yeah. It's not a good look for them. Yeah. What are your plans now today, the immediate? Um, immediately today, <clears throat> I'm going to head back over to 42nd and Marcourt. I'm going to... I want to drive around that route for myself, and I'm going to actually... Have time you ever driven it? Well, I don't get. I, I don't know where the house is. I've dri I've driven down that street and stuff. I you don't know go, where the house maybe is. You ought to go with her just, just to get a lay of the land because you know it back, frontwards and backwards. Did you ever see the movie when they no. did the, uh, 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 what do you call it, reenactment? Mm -hmm. You know, it was on. No. On an easel, kind of. Uh, you ought to just go over and take a look at it. It's real interesting. We actually, one of those, I don't know if I sent you the article on, our, on the 35th anniversary, or maybe it was the 30th anniversary. We all gathered there mm -hmm. and the register took that picture of yeah. us there. And that was kind of spooky. You know, yeah. it just was. And uh, that's, 
when I when I think of Noreen's demeanor then to now, how much she's deteriorated. Yeah. You know, it's really sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to have to go to work. I want you guys to keep talking. Uh, did you say we are going to get together this evening? Um, or tomorrow? Uh, tomorrow evening. Tomorrow evening. Tomorrow, okay. like 5.30. 5.30? Okay. Yeah. Okay. You guys keep talking. About here? It. Yeah. 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 5.30 here. All right. Let's go drive that route. Okay. I just can't believe that Prod's son was about 10 at that time. I know. That was, oh my God. So I do know some, uh, I do know some kid guys that um, were carriers okay. back in the time, and they would be more than willing to talk to you. And I don't know, I haven't talked to them about anything about this case, but one of them uh, told me that Someone tried to pick him up once too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wondering if there was like a similarity between these guys that, because the same thing happened to Yellowbag. Like somebody in a Ford Fairmont came up to him while he was about to start his route and tried to get him to come into the car. Um, so I'm wondering if like, um, are these like the same small group of guys that are j- going around just like prowl- right. prowling on these kids? So. The guy with the picture, he said that he lived over here in Woodland. Yeah. These are like the apartments he would have identified. These were yeah. these up here at 42nd, which would have made perfect sense if someone was living up there. They would have seen Johnny all the time. Yeah. You know? Um, they also would have saw the Birches because the Birches identified that their paper route was up here in the apartments yeah, yeah. in Woodland. Yeah, that's exactly what Chris said. That he, the the woodland apartments. I remember him saying that he would. This is the direction that they went. And so, I think the theory that maybe the person thought they were picking up one of the birches or trying to pick up one of the yeah, birches maybe. that day. Mm-hmm. That could make somewhat of sense. But I I always envisioned that um, the birches delivered maybe to over there. Yeah, I think that's what Chris said because I remember him saying that that it wasn't that hard because he went and delivered right. to an apartment complex. He just kind of brought the bundle in and just like left them there and it was easy peasy basically. So this is the corner where they, um, the 42nd see what's coming up. Court, up yeah. the next drop is where they said the papers were dropped. Uh, okay, so, okay, I see where we are. Okay, so this is where Chris tells me, this is 42nd and Marcourt, everybody. Um, that's the old Burgess house right there, the brown brick one. Um, and that is where Johnny's wagon was found right in front right there. And so, um, where the Goshes lived is right up here on this cul-de-sac at 45th street. And so the story was always that, um, Johnny went from the house, which is up in this cul-de-sac and cut through the churchyard, which is right over this way. But what Chris says is that he did the exact opposite. He came straight out of the house down this, down this way right here and walked back to 42nd Marcourt because that's where his pickup spot actually was. Um, and so this is Woodland Park Drive, and if you go up this way, that's where Ashworth is. And I see it, it kind of loops around. Um, so Birches said they were going this way then for their route? No, they were going Woodland? They were going up, this, up towards 42nd okay. Street and headed down t- that way towards Woodland. Um, so yeah, so this. So this, where did this, where, this, where did Rossi live? 
John Rossi lived, if you go back up this way, he lived at the corner of Ashworth and 42nd, where, um, where the other pickup spot was, where Johnny's was originally before it got moved. And what was the, where was the alleged churchyard they uh, It's right through? here. This is, it's right, it's right behind here. If you, if you go up this way, you'll see the church and you'll see the big yard behind it. So yeah, so this is the street that the guy who they say was looking for directions was driving back and, and forth. And this, um, here's the churchyard here. So this is where it's reported that Johnny came out, like coming, cutting right through there. I gotcha. Yeah. That would make some sense. It'd be quicker if the drop was here. If the drop was here, which I guess originally it was, and it just felt, I think... John said that, and here's the 42nd Street right here. This um, this house right at the corner was John Rossi's house. Okay. And so I guess the pickup spot was right where the um, uh, crosswalk sign is. Yeah, so John Rossi will have seen these kids all the time, too. Yeah. And I guess this is also where Mike Seskis was picking up his papers. Um, and so they say, too, that I think it was one of these houses... A man came out from between two of them and started uh, Johnny is said to have been walking down this way and one of these houses here a man came out from between two of them and followed Johnny to here um, and I guess Johnny was turning this way because Johnny's route was in the direction of this way mm -hmm. um, but again we're back to where his wagon was found it was right there this house yeah right in front of that brown brick house because that was the Burgess house um but like I said too Chris who saw him that morning says he came straight out from that cul-de-sac there and just walked straight up here which makes more sense if his route was on this street because why would you have to walk all the way up through that churchyard if there's another pickup spot right here that you could just go to right and just come back this way um so, yeah. So which house was Johnny's up Um, there It's right, It's going to be up and on the right. I'll kind of point it out. And um, I don't want to be too obvious because, like I said, this lady wasn't too happy I was here yesterday. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's this one right here. Okay. So he would have had to come straight out this way. And the churchyard is right right back there. Were there fences in this? That's the other thing. I, I don't know if the fences were there at the time. But it's, I noticed this when I was here yesterday that everything is fenced in. Um, every property is fenced in. And Chris even mentioned that to me too, that there were fences around every single person's property. Well, and I don't know if that means that that also means the churchyard. It would have made no sense for them to drop his papers up at Ashworth. They could yeah. have just as easily dropped his off right here. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I think that's what he... Um, he, he even John said that Johnny had called them to ask if they could move it here because his route was here on Marcourt. Um, and so according to Chris, that's exactly what happened. And Chris even talked about one time before that he ran up to the corner here to grab his papers and um, actually grabbed the wrong bundle. They were Johnny's. And his dad even said to him, like, no, we have to, we have to go up the street to get yours. Those are Johnny's. Um, and I think Chris remembered that because, as he put it, he said that he became incredulous. He was like, well, why does Johnny get to do our street? Yeah. Yeah. 
It makes sense. So yeah, and the other thing too is I it would be really difficult and like I mean I don't know how much the area has changed, but my friend pointed this out yesterday. It would be really difficult to just kind of sit in a parked car on the side of the road here, even that early in the morning in 1982 because this is a main thoroughfare here ashworth um i don't think whoever took him was on this road Why, yeah you exactly woodland and those are no one pays attention to those yeah roads. that's and plus too um the the way that the movie lays it out is the car was originally up here on ashworth and it um it drove back and forth and like came back around and then suddenly it appears all the way down on Marcourt. So what do you, what that car, if that were the case would have had to do was, um, loop around here on Woodland Park drive and go all the way down, um, and turn right onto Marcourt or do it the opposite way. Go all the way down on 42nd and turn left onto Woodland and then back onto Marcourt in order for that route to have that that specific thing to have happened um to to be able to come up this way because the car that took him came from this way so you would have had it to came do from this way came from this side of marcor okay. right here like it would make more sense to come down this street this hidden street yeah. right here and and that's another thing too that doesn't quite add up because that means you're driving all around loop-de-looing all, all around this neighborhood right. at, before 6 in the morning on a Sunday. So right. it's like if a car had been doing that, somebody else around here would have noticed it. Well, I think the easiest thing would... Someone had to have planned it, and they had to have known he was there at that time. Yeah. That's the only way it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Because someone's not going to be just thinking that little boys are walking around at 5.50 in the morning mm -hmm. unless they know that there's a, a paper drop and they know that where that paper drop is. Yeah, and also for it to be nobody heard anything, nobody saw any commotion. Um, I mean, there's a lot of reports that um, the, the Bozen brothers, who were two other paper boys who were walking down 42nd to get their papers up at Ashworth. Um, they did see Johnny briefly that morning, but a lot of the reports say that they saw Johnny slumped over his wagon um, or sitting on his wagon or just things like that. But a lot of the correspondence that I've seen between Chris Burge and Kevin Bozen, um, Kevin says that um, all I saw was Johnny picking up his papers and we my brother and I walked right past him going to get our papers like they, they didn't see anything that was odd looking and nor did they ever say they did that was just sort of um one of the pizza pieces of information that got kind of like you know like got kind of like retold and retold over the right. years until it's like doesn't make any sense all these little neighborhoods if, if if they're all hidden and if someone was gonna abduct somebody they would have had to have known there would have had to have been tons of planning and preparation for this in my opinion yeah 
Well, absolutely, because, I mean, if I could, just to describe the area to people listening, um, this is a very um, a quintessentially suburban neighborhood, I would say. Like, the the houses are pretty close together. Um, there's a lot of houses. There's a lot of streets that sort of interconnect with each other. Um, and it's kind of... Uh, it's it well it is very narrow streets and they curve a lot and so you wouldn't be able to just sort of drive around here not knowing where you're going because if you were if you had never been here before or if you just kind of casually looked at a map you'd probably have some trouble you'd probably get yourself turned around somewhere the interesting thing, too, about what you have to remember about this whole area is there's only one artery to I-235. Yeah. So I-235 is the main thoroughfare that goes that would be able to allow someone to get back into downtown Des Moines. So if your theory about Millhouse was that perhaps Johnny ended up somewhere down there, the only way they're going to get there is if they come down here, go to 35th Street, and get on 235. All of these roads up here over past 235 and don't have any on-ramps. So... So would you be able to... Because part of the story, too, is that the car that took Johnny ran the stop sign uh, and took a left out of um, Marcourt and sort of sped up 42nd Street. And so would you be able to get to the... The highway or anything like that from you'd have from there? to go all the way back down here because if you did and you turned up this way trying to get to I two thirty five and is this this is forty second street forty second okay you can't get on I two thirty five this would shoot you into a tangled web of um, and I'll show you the only route that could have occurred here is if they went this way. They would have most likely been headed west or north because it wouldn't be the fastest way to get east. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, because the highway, we're going over a bridge right now, and the highway is under us. So, yeah, this would be, this would not be a good way to go if you were trying to, like, hop onto the highway and get out of state real quick. It would be a mess. Yeah. It would be an absolute mess. The only way you could get out of state real quick if you took 42nd all the way north would be if you took 42nd here and you followed it all the way to university up here which would be maybe a mile and then you have to take a left on university and then you could get on i-35 north or i-35 south mm -hmm. so it just doesn't make sense and these are densely populated areas if you were taking a child i don't think you'd want to be stuck in this kind of traffic or you know yeah like uh like on a Sunday morning too. Like, like figure enough time has gone past that it's um, it's after six a.m. at this point, and it's a Sunday morning. There's going to be people out. Yeah, there's so. a church right here. Yeah, there's a church, church right, right here. here. Yeah. So this, and I'll just take you a few routes. So this okay. is what you'd do if you were, if the person was leaving this way, they would go, they would go westbound on University. Again, they're traveling another mile west on university through a very commercial district with restaurants and hotels and 
Yeah, and and this is not like um, like a like an interstate highway by any means that we're on right now. Like this is just like a main thoroughfare that we're on right now. It would be the worst possible route to yeah. take if you had a young boy in your vehicle with you. Yeah. So up there would be I-35 North, I-35 South. Okay. So yeah, in order to get to a highway to get out of state, we just had to take like, how many times did we turn? Like three times down each time it was down like a, a pretty busy street. But the interesting thing about the location where he was taken was it is, I mean, it does have arteries straight out of state. I mean, you mm -hmm. have. I mean, it's not impossible. You could do it. Yeah. So I, th you know, I-35 North, if you took okay. that, you could go all the way north up to, to Minneapolis, or you could hop on I-80 and go straight to Chicago. Okay. I-35 South right there takes you two and a half hours to Kansas City. You can take I-80 West right there, and it takes you two hours straight to Omaha. Okay, so so what if we were trying to get to Sioux City? If we're getting to Sioux City, this wouldn't make any sense because you would be, again, you would get off and you'd be going to Omaha. Okay. And you'd go west, and that's where you'd be trying to go to. Okay. So I'll turn around up here, and I'll show you the... It makes sense if that one gentleman lived in those apartments. That makes so much sense in mm -hmm. my mind because, one, they're they're so familiar with the area. Um, yeah, like if that if the person that we're thinking of lived in the Woodland Apartments, the Woodland Apartments are right there. They could have it could have just looked like somebody driving home, you know. And it, if that person lived in the Woodland Apartments and they had a connection with the Register and Eugene Martin, it just seems that there would be too much smoke for there not to be some sort of... They, that person has the worst luck in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Which could be the case. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really interesting. That area where he lived, it's a very nice area, but one of the things that makes it nice, too, is... You do have all these major interstates flowing through here, but it's not real accessible to somebody, you know, yeah. unless you're familiar with it, it's not going to be probably a, a neighborhood you're going to venture into, especially with the goshes being up in that cul-de-sac. Yeah. The chances that somebody would just uh, randomly go up there. It... Or if it was somebody who is basically just not a, a good well thought out criminal like if you didn't sort of um think it through of your think your getaway through um i guess you could go any which way and just not really know what you're doing but seems to me that somebody would have been caught if that were the case i've got a little bit of a theory in my own mind too that i'll share with you i okay we, you talked about that yellow bag and saying that the person had reflective clothing on. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. So it would make sense to me that somebody that worked at the Des Moines airport would oh. take the route home from the Des Moines airport that would take them yes. to those Woodland apartments down 42nd street every mm -hmm. Sunday morning. And so 
because the Des Moines Airport, you're familiar with where you came in. Yeah, because we came, we came straight here after Kat picked me up yesterday right. and it only took us like less than 20 minutes to get here. But the easiest way to, to get home from the Des Moines Airport, if you lived in those Woodland Apartments, would be to take 63rd Street all the way south and then, or, or all the way north, and then you would take 63rd Street and you would get straight on Ashworth. Mm -hmm. And you would take Ashworth worth all the way to second so if you did take that route and you were working nights on Sundays you would be familiar that those those boys were picking up papers at those times mm -hmm. or if you were working nights at the airport or working leaving early you would be familiar sort of with the logistics and you would have repeated contact with the, the you would see yeah like you would be like this would be like you would have gone by it a million times like you would know what exactly the setting looks like at that time but i mean if if we're talking about guys that were you know young and working at that time it yeah. makes sense if they were like uh, baggage handlers or something like that i'm sure they yeah. have to have the reflective stripe yeah like or like um you know i forgot what they call them but like you know like signaling in the planes right. on the ground so this is Ashworth right here. So if the individual was believed to have escaped Ashworth going west, again, that wouldn't get you anywhere. Okay. West would have just kicked you out here and again you're in no man's land. Yeah. And you'll see that again Ashworth up here doesn't have a way to get on I-35. Mm -hmm. and, and another weird thing about the original report is that it says the the car that was originally seen on Ashworth came from the direction that we're going right now until it stopped and asked somebody for directions and then it went back that way and then it it turned around somewhere up there and came back um and so to like to just be coming back and forth um there's no easy way to do that either you'd have to be like just kind of um well i think it, i think your theory that that car could be disassociated with the whole thing could be accurate because i think if someone got off on on the interstate there and was heading this way on ashworth they would think maybe okay maybe i could get to i-35 here mm -hmm. but then they'd realize after you crossed i-35 i i can't get to i-35 mm -hmm. so i don't know where i'm at how do i get back to their state from there mm -hmm. um, so that could be completely plausible i could totally see how someone could get turned around in this whole area mm -hmm. so it's likely that that wasn't um a that wasn't anybody with any criminal intent anyway it really was a person who was just lost and looking for directions because here's that takes you down to kansas city or mm -hmm. up minneapolis and so we went up all the way up 42nd street to show sort of how can't get on the interstate from 42nd Street. So now we have 50th, which would have been another artery that they could have came out of. Mm -hmm. They could have came down Ashworth 
where yeah. they could have came down Woodland all the way to 50th. Yeah, and so what we're doing now is we're we're still on Ashworth and we're turning left now onto 50th. Woodland Avenue, so the person would okay. have traveled all the way down here eight blocks, and this would have logistically made some sense. Um, they would have gone up 42nd Street, hit that stop sign, and taken taken left on Woodland, traveled eight blocks, and then they could have got on I-80 East right here. Yeah. And headed back down towards. Yeah, because that's. That logistically makes more sense because uh, right now we're pulling up to um, the highway uh, 235 East, and but you cannot go west on that. Yeah, that that's worth noting. So if the whole theory about there being some national ring out of Omaha, the only way they're going to get out that way to go west would be up by Valley West. Mm -hmm. So this might be a very plausible way that someone. Yeah. So that brings us back to Valley West Drive. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think your theory um, is definitely plausible, especially. Because according to Yellowbag, the person that approached him was wearing a reflective coat. And Yellowbag didn't know for sure if he was like a paramedic or something like that. I think he said it was like a yellow and blue reflective jacket. And it could have been UPS. It could uh -huh. have been FedEx. It could have been any, any mail carrier out the, mm -hmm. the airport. It would have made yeah, so if yeah, Those so are jobs that they usually they leave to. They either leave to or get off at that that time in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if he lived like right around there, like, say he did live in the Woodland Park apartments, it would be on his way home anyway. And it could have. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know how still he would have gotten Johnny into the car, but just from strictly a logistical standpoint, it makes more sense because regardless of how johnny got into the car it's he still only has like one more street to go before he's back at home and that's that's the other thing did johnny ever did they ever leave this area yeah that's another I question mean, did he just pick him up and go straight straight there yeah that and and that's the other thing too chris has no memory and neither do the bosons of any car speeding off like they never heard a car speed off they never saw any wheels screech or like any of some of the other stories suggest but you have to go and you have to see when these apartments were built but you know i'd have to think that some of these complexes had to have been built prior to 1980. yeah 
Because some of them specifically that complex. Yeah. Too. Yeah, because like the ones there, there's a bunch here on our right, and they they look new even by today's standards. So we're going to do but, this in reverse order. This is why I want to show you. Okay. Is if the abductor lived there or there, and they actually worked at the Des Moines Airport, okay. so their route to work could be this. They could go from there. Okay. And head. All right. So every day they could head. Yeah, we're coming out on 42nd Street. Mm -hmm. We're coming out of Woodland Park Drive right now, and we're headed up 42nd towards Marcourt, which is coming up right on our right here. Or actually, yeah, right up ahead. It's right there. Um, so coming up 42nd, Marcourt is right here on our right. There's the Burgess House. We're coming up, and we're right at Ashworth. So every day, this guy driving home drives past the papers he sees, or every mm -hmm. Sunday that he's working. Yeah. So just it, if you just flip that around and do that in reverse, all he would have to do is come this way. Uh, so he would come in the, the west direction on driving on Ashworth towards Forty Second. He would turn right down onto Forty Second. Um, Marcourt would be right there on his left. Uh, another cul-de-sac called Francrest would be on his left. And then right after that is Woodland Park Drive, where those apartments are. So assuming if he was somebody who worked at the airport, that's how easy it would be. It's a wild theory, but it, I think it lines up with the reflective vest and the fact that if you didn't want to be on the interstate just wanted to take the back route to the airport I think this is the route you would take yeah because many times when I've left work to go to the airport I just take this route right here mm-hmm There are, you know, there are a host of industrial-like areas down by the airport and down in here too that could require safety vests like that. Mm -hmm. So it's not just. Yeah, it's not. This is just a theory, just to be clear with everybody. Um, we don't know that he was somebody who worked at the airport. That's just one of many jobs that would probably require a reflective jacket, like the person was wearing that um, first approached Yellow Bag and tried to get him to come into the car. Did you get any information about um, where that one gentleman came from? Um, who the, the person who the came up to you? He, he came from uh, Maryland originally. Um, he said that he had uh, what he thought was a very East Coast sounding accent, like the way that he explained it. He said, like, "I just wanted to mess around with you, like not with you." He said, "With you." Um, which uh, yellow bag sort of to him it sounded like a northeastern sort of an accent like New York or yeah maybe Maryland or something like something on like the east coast it sounded like accent wise to him so we're still in West Des Moines right now but um, okay. we're going towards Des Moines Okay. but you basically have four lanes 
four-lane roads all the way to the airport from here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's not a complicated route. Um, so, um, you know, we don't know that the, the person who came up to Yellow Bag w- could have been the same person that um, came up to Johnny. But, it, it, you know, it, it's just worth mentioning that there's a lot of similarities there. I think there's a high probability that whoever was involved with this was very familiar with driving this route and going north on 42nd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would make a lot of sense. And who knows where they could have been working. So you can get the rough idea. Yeah. If you yeah. went down this way, it shoots you out to industrial parks and the airport all the way out there. Okay. So... The thing about Yellowback, though, is he he claims his attempt at abduction or his interaction with this gentleman was on the east side of Des Moines, right? Yeah, because that so, that's where he lived. So there is a way to get on um, I-235 up here on 8th Street in West Des Moines as well. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you pretty much get on on 8th Street, 22nd Street, 35th Street, or 50th Street. Okay. So you're pretty limited in options. If if the goal is to get to the highway and get, like, let's say that they're going to Sioux City because that's where a lot of the claims say that Johnny was taken first was to a house in Sioux City. So what are the best arteries if you're trying to get to Sioux City? Well, they would have even, they would have either taken a ride on Woodland and then taking a left on 35th Street, and then they could have got straight on I-80. Okay. Headed west, straight towards Sioux City. Okay. That would be very quick. Okay. Um, but it would, but it would not make sense to to turn left at that stop sign at 42nd Marker and go up 42nd Street. It would make no sense. Okay. The only if they were going to Sioux City, the only thing that would have made sense would have been 35th Street. Okay. That's because 50th Street, well, 42nd Street doesn't have an on-ramp to go west on I-80. 50th Street doesn't doesn't have an on-ramp to go west on I-80. 35th Street's the only street that has an on-ramp to I-80 west. Okay. So All that right. would have been the only artery. All right. You know, it's interesting that John Gosh asked for that picture of that gentleman to see if it jogged any memories. If someone was young and living in those woodland apartments, it would make a lot of sense that they would uh, volunteer. Mm-hmm. Um, if they were going to volunteer, that they would have volunteered at that school right there. Yeah. And you had the stadiums, the baseball fields, the softball complexes. So if someone was going to take them it, and they were going to Sioux City, the, the most logical thing is they would have gone all the way down on 42nd to Ashworth, taking Ashworth here to Valley West Drive, mm-hmm. which is 35th Street, gone straight up to the intersection, and gone on the interstate. Okay. Or they would have gone north on 42nd Street, taking it right on Woodland, and then got straight on I-80 West. Okay. So like I said, if someone was getting off work early in the morning, and they are coming from even downtown Des Moines or the south side of Des Moines. Mm-hmm. This would have been a logical route every day. Yep. We're headed back the same direction, guys. Um, we just turned from Ashworth onto 42nd, so um, 
marker that's coming up on our left right here. thing with Johnny is, you know, he would have stood out in someone's memory because he's pulling a red wagon with a dog. Yeah. You know? And he's not a small kid either. Yeah. He's like five, he's 12 years old, but he's five foot eight, so... This apartment complex is huge. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Just we're just we're driving a little further past uh, Marcourt and Francrest, and we just got back to the Woodland Apartments again. Um, it's it is pretty enormous. The ones that we were look, it goes on for several rows. This is not just one apartment building, guys. Probably a thousand units. Yeah. But I would say this one that we're in front of now, um, called so it was a the club at Washington Heights. This looks new even by today's standards. So I'm, I'm guessing this hadn't been built yet in '82. So I think all these would be newer too. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see what the investigation brings up on that one gentleman. But yeah, if he ever had a residence in that apartment, that would be very. That would that be apartment complex. Yeah. That would be very um, coincidental. I was just going to say, that's a little too coincidental. And there's more. Yeah. Like back beyond this particular complex, there's even more rows of apartment buildings. I could not imagine growing up like in this neighborhood. Even those, those appear like they would have been built in like the 70s. Yeah. Those, like the ones he, over here that we just came across. Um, very old school style brick and brown shingles on the roofs. I mean, there were thousands of units of apartments within, you know, two or three blocks of where he was missing. Mm -hmm. It goes back to your original point on your podcast that sometimes the most obvious and Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's Occam's razor, you know? Like, uh, usually the most obvious explanation is the one that ends up being true. I mean, which is usually the case. I mean, just look at, like, Jacob Wetterling or Aton Pates. They were both killed by local guys. All these units would have been probably in the 70s. Uh-huh. This whole complex right here. I mean... This was the hot area. Yeah. Back when he went missing, this was the nice area of Des Moines. This was yeah. where people wanted to live. Yeah, I remember um, Chris had emailed me some clips of some old home movies that he had. And uh, there was a few, like, really wide shots of the land that was being developed here at the time. This was like a very up-and-coming sort of like land that properties were being built on mm -hmm. like in the early 80s this would have been the most sought after area to live yeah because it would have it had the easy access to downtown des moines for people that worked in downtown des moines and it had the, the good west des moines schools mm -hmm. so people didn't want to be in the des moines school district they wanted to be in the west des moines school district That would have been the Valley High School football stadium back in the day. Okay. And that's where they, there was that one report that he, like, was seen talking to somebody under the stands there. Yeah, that somebody, I think, uh, turned out to be a police officer, I think. 
I mean, I can't really verify that story. I mean, right. it's just kind of a story, but yeah, yeah, even that is in extremely close proximity. So it's really interesting because the 42nd Marcourt, now, did you see the, the mall over here, Valley West Mall? Yeah, I so drove past it earlier. So yeah. that's the mall. Okay. That had all the pedophiles. Oh, I see, yeah. So I'd have to think that somebody took this route. This would make the most sense. Yeah. Regardless I mean, of what theory is true. Um, what street is this again, right up here? This is this is 35th Street. Okay, this is... known as Valley West Drive. Yep. Okay, so this is 35th Street, and it seems to me that that's... That's the... I mean, I'm looking at the on-ramp to the highway, right? Like, I can see right. it from where we're sitting, so... And it's an easy way to get anywhere... I-35 north, I-35 south, I-80 east, I-80 west. Okay. Which is why yeah. we like our office right here. Right? Yeah, that's true. So well, I mean, it's so easy to get... To, yeah, because you you're right off the highway. Right. So, yeah. All right, well... Well, we're going to meet up at 5.30 tomorrow. Yep, so... Right. And I am going to have Yellow Bag with me. Um, so, yeah, we'll all get to meet up tomorrow night. So. Great. Wow, that was, I'm really glad we did that. That was a really productive morning. Oh my goodness, I have to sit and process all of that for a second.